Okay, you ready? You can hear me okay? Great, we're on? Perfect. Awesome. Let's go. I'm Peter Little, lead pastor at Christ Pacific Church in Huntington Beach, California. We're cultivating a community of faith, hope, and love that follows Jesus into the world. And you're listening to our Sunday Sermons podcast. To learn more about us or to subscribe to this podcast, visit us at cpchb.org. Thanks for listening. All right. Good morning, good morning. You can settle down. It's okay. It's not reverse psychology. All right. What a great, good-looking bunch you guys are all. I'm just going to keep complimenting. Maybe that's good. You guys are wearing your Sunday best. It's nice and cool in here because of you. Good morning. If it has not been said, welcome. My name is Jericho. I'm the Family Life Pastor here. Uh, But we love singing to the Lord because He's worth it. And um, we cannot wait to dig in His Word this morning. Um, We continue our study of of what it means to follow Jesus. Right? Our identity as the church is that we're not a location. We're not a weekend event. Right? We are the gathering of the people of God. And our identity is that we are worshipers of Jesus. You can say that. I am a worshiper of Jesus. Yeah. And that is, that is our aim, right? That is our goal for today. And so if you have your Bibles, we invite you to turn to Acts 2. We are in the same passage. Um, Acts is the book after the Gospels in the New Testament. All right. Last week, we looked at the church that devoted themselves to the teachings of Jesus and to one another, and today we are going to look at that church and what it means to devote themselves to worship, all right? Worship is two things. Worship is knowing God and making Him known. Worship is more than the genre of music, right? Worship is more than the gathering. Worship is knowing who God is and making Him known with all of our lives. All right, so if you are there in Acts 2, I'd like to invite you guys to stand on up one more time. We're going to read. You can follow along the screens, um, or if you brought your Bible, great. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, we thank you so much for your presence in our lives. God, we would be lost in this world without you. God, we thank you for each other. God, we thank you for Mary's testimony this morning. God, we're just reminded of how you're continuing to transform our lives. God, would you make us more and more like your son, Jesus? Would you open our ears and our hearts to be open 
Lord, to what you're trying to speak today and this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. You may be seated, friends. What does it mean to be a worshiper of Jesus? What does it mean to have a lifestyle of worship no matter what the circumstances are? No matter what. What does it mean to give our lives to the cause of Christ? What does it look like to model our lives after Jesus, to give ourselves sacrificially, right? Last week, we talked about growing in, devoting our hearts to the person of Jesus and growing in the way that we are hospitable to one another. Today, we are going to grow up, right? What does that look like to grow toward the Lord in worship? Next week, we're going to learn how to grow out and meeting the needs of others. It's all about growth, right? The first thing that we, I want to tell you guys is we need to look at Acts 2 in its right context. Look at the early church in its right context. Back in verse 17, if you turn left in your Bible, um, there's this guy who's a handsome-looking guy. <laughs> right there. The prophet Joel, okay? The prophet Joel, centuries before this Acts church, spoke when God would dwell with his people. And in verse 17, it says this. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. Signs on the earth and wonders in the heavens will be seen. And in verse 21, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you know that we are in the last days? We are in the last days when the spirit is poured out on everybody and remains, right? It started with Jesus. At his baptism, the Holy Spirit came and remained on him. God is choosing to dwell once again and remain with his people. How can a holy God hang out with sinners like me? Right? What's, that's the Sunday school question. You guys know the Sunday school answer? Jesus, right? The way that a holy God can hang out with us is because of Jesus. And the promise here is this, right? No longer do you need to go to a temple, right? Your kids will get to know God. Your teenagers will have powerful encounters with Jesus. The homeowners in the house, right? They can't even sleep because in their sleep, they'll meet Jesus. Even their servants will get to know who God is because he shows up. God is choosing to be with his people. This was spoken of centuries before. Um, so we know their past. Do we know their future? Do you guys know that a couple chapters later, what happens to this church, this 3,000 people trusting the Lord? Do you know what happened to them? They get scattered. They get persecuted. There was this guy, Stephen. He gets picked out as a deacon, right? A servant to the people of the church. And he gets martyred. He gets thrown in prison because of a guy named Saul. Saul had the authority from the leaders of the day to throw them in prison and to hunt them down. But the church that got scattered, what happened to them? Even through persecution, they were sharing about the message of hope of Jesus. They were sharing um, to them, hey, Jesus is somebody that you can trust. He died for you and for me. That's good news. And this guy, Saul, what happens to him? He has an encounter with the Lord. 
a powerful encounter that he turns his whole life around. Do you think he was greeted warmly? The people that gave him authority to throw people in prison, they were not happy with him. The people that he, were, that he was hunting down, do you think they were like, I don't know, can I trust you? Right? But he goes and becomes a missionary to spread the good news of Jesus. And listen, friends, if you follow that line, if you follow the line of who shared the gospel with me? Oh, maybe at Christ Pacific. Who shared the gospel with that person? You can follow it all the way to Acts 2. Isn't that great? No matter how uncertain our future is and how uncertain it is, we know that God has a plan for you and for me. This tells me that God is among us today. God can be known by every person in your family. That means everybody in the whole world can know who God is. Whoever seeks him, he's available to. And God has a future for every single one of us. So how is this instructive for us today? The early church at verse 42 worshiped God no matter what their circumstances. In verse 42, they devoted themselves, last week we talked about this, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Today we'll be talking about they devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They worshiped together, they came together, much like what we're doing, but there was something new. There was something happening. You see, before then, they needed to go to the temple, right? And in the temple, they had a go-between. There was a priest, and they had to bring a sacrifice, right, in order to meet with a holy God. They had festivals like Passover, where they celebrated God's deliverance of his people. But now, they're in the last days. Something new is happening. The Holy Spirit is now with us. And guess who the high priest is? Jesus Christ. The same Sunday school answer, right? Jesus is our go-between. And do we have to bring a sacrifice? No, because Jesus gave himself on the cross so that we can have access to God, right? And Jesus was that sacrifice. He gave his body broken. He gave his blood shed so that you and I could have peace with God. And not just peace in our hearts, that's financial peace. A little plug there, huh? <laughs> and see, worship, we think that it's all about what we do. See, from an outsider's perspective, and if, you, if you're a visitor today, you're like, oh, this is cool, right? There's a singing part, there's an inspirational talk, and then we have lunch, and then we go home, right? It's not just about doing, friends. Can I tell you what's important in worship is the who. Who do you worship? Who is it that we are turning our lives towards? They gathered together because of Jesus Christ. And you're probably thinking, why are there puzzles on the stage? Is he going to get to the puzzles on the stage? That's where we're going. All right? They worship together. They worship Jesus together. Worship is about knowing God and making him known. And the picture is, not the puzzle, but the table. <laughs> you didn't know it was about the table. <laughs> All right. At the table, like in Psalm 23, Jesus sets a table for his enemies. Psalm 23, you guys know this one? The Lord is my shepherd, right? And the table piece, 
you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Enemies? Did Jesus come to speak judgment over his enemies? I hope sometimes, I wish sometimes, right? There's evil people in the world. But you know what Jesus says? He says, I just want to hang out with you. I just want to, I just want to, that's Jesus, by the way. He's hanging out with me. <laughs> Not me. Um, Jesus wants to set them free and welcome him to the kingdom. But why, what happened to the judgment? What happened to the judgment? Jesus speaks judgment over himself. He says, I, I'm going to take it for you so that you don't have to pay for it. In Luke 5.31, Jesus was hanging out with tax collectors. Luke 5.31, it says this. People asked them, hey, why are you hanging out with these low lives? 5.31. Jesus says, it's not the wealthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Jesus shares a table with the enemies because he wants to heal them of the sin in their lives. I am that enemy at that table. Not only does Jesus set a table for his enemies and speak judgment over himself, Jesus at the table stoops down to do the job of the servant. You guys know in the Last Supper, right? Before they hung out, Jesus takes the job of the servant. And what does he do? He washes the feet of the disciples. Right? This is the fishermen. And they didn't have socks back in the day. Right? So you could imagine how grimy those feet are. It's not like paved roads. Right? But Jesus was trying to show them something else. Jesus was saying, I'm about to go to the cross and I want you to love one another the same way that I have come to serve you. He gave his life at the cross. Not only that, at the table... They had the Last Supper, right? Not only do you have to go to the temple once a year to have peace with the Lord, he says, for as often as you do this, right? The broken, that the broken bread that was given for us, that shed blood, whenever we celebrate communion together, we declare Jesus and the power of his sacrifice. I know we do it here um, once a month. My mom, um, I want to say 11, 12 years ago, had cancer, and in the midst of the breast cancer and all the treatments, they didn't know what to do. They were done praying, and you know what they did every morning? They said, we're going to have communion. Maybe not wine for breakfast, but we're going to practice communion, and I watched my parents do it every morning, and it sustained them. Um, no matter what we can worship God because at the table we see Jesus' example. Why does this matter? Why does worship matter? Because, you know, if we don't get the worshiping who right, we tend to put ourselves in the middle of it all. We live in a culture today that's questioning truth. Where can we really find truth? Right? And we want to say, hey, Jesus, and in his word, and loving one another. But a lot of today says, you know what? I'm just going to worship me. I'm in the center of my universe. I know what's true based off of my experiences. And then you're probably wondering, man, he still didn't talk about the puzzles. <laughs> We're going there. So this week, 
You guys know, uh, or you might remember, in Huntington Beach, we don't start school until after Labor Day, and all of us are like, wow, the whole world's moved on, and we're still in summer. We got the local summer. My kids were bored, and they're just tired of watching TV all day, and so I said, let's work on a puzzle. And I was like, yeah, let's spend time. Put away the devices, and let me tell you what happened. The Lord spoke. He's like, hey, this is going to be for your sermon this Sunday, all right? I know these are 300 pieces. That's not my style. I'm like a 50-piece, age four and above, okay? That's, that's more my style. And if you're an adult walking a kid through, there are steps. There's an orderly step to it, okay? Walk with me. You take the pieces, you dump them all out, and then what do you do? You ask him to turn over every piece, right, facing up, and you're going to look for four pieces. What are those four pieces? You got to find the corners, and while you're sorting the four corners, you're also sorting what else? The edges, the sides, all right? And then you have a pile of all the middle, right? That's where, that's where the Lord was like, right here, we're going to speak about this. Okay? And so there's an orderly way, right? The frame. We got to try to work on the frame. Um, so you take, so how, you do you, how do you work on the middle? You take a middle piece, you put it to the standard of the picture, and then you say, we're about right here at the bottom left quadrant. Yeah, there's ways, right? I'm sure there's quadrants, but you, you can even sort through colors. But the Lord was, at that point, said to me, that's worship right there. That's worship. What do you mean, Jer? What are you talking about? Right? If we're worshiping Jesus, he is the frame, first of all, of how we can make sense of life. Right? How can we know about Jesus? Reading his word. Right? Coming together. Um, so the frame, we look, at, we look at Jesus. How can we know who he is? We, we read our Bibles and pray every day, and we grow, grow, grow. Okay? That's a song. Um, you guys all know it. Um, but what happens when life gets tough, when you get in the middle pieces, right? Is worship just about like, I'm going to show up when I'm doing well, right? I'm going to show up on a Sunday because life is good, my problems are managed. No. We come to Sundays because we're trying to give our whole lives. And so when life gets tough and you're in the middle pieces, you have to take a piece and you have to bring it to the standard of who Jesus is. And you're like, God, how do you want me to respond? What is a story in the Bible? How did Jesus respond? How does God want me to respond? And then that'll help you find that peace and where it fits in your life. Does that make sense? We look at Jesus, we look at the standard, and I know you're like, wow, he still looks at pictures. I got puzzles that I don't have pictures. And that's okay. We have in the last days, who do we have that has been poured out and remains? the Holy Spirit, and he shows us, and he says, go read your Bible. Go see what Jesus did. Amen. God bless you. You okay? No matter what we're experiencing, we can look at Jesus. We can look at, how do you want me to respond? What did the early church do? In verse 46, in Acts 2, they shared a meal together, right? Breaking bread, that's not communion. They're just, they're just hanging out. You know, when you welcome somebody in your home, you offer them some snacks, right? And they had gladness and sincerity and hearts during good times and during bad. 
Um, I want to invite you guys to turn to Psalm 30. Psalm is a songbook in the middle of your Bible or your devices. Psalm 30, because I want to focus on the word gladness. Gladness is about celebrating God's deliverance. God takes you from wherever you are and brings you to a place. And in Psalm 30, we're going to see the word gladness. It says this from verse 1 to verse 8. I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. Lord, you brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Do you feel like that right now? Sometimes, right? Parenting four kiddos. I just was thinking about zone defense. I was like, Lord, how do we do this? I don't have enough hands. And you know what? God's grace this week, car seats. We're going on a drive, okay? But it feels like that. So Lord, deliver me from this. Verse 4, sing the praises of the Lord, you his faithful people. Praise his holy name. For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Pause. I know our culture says, well, God's angry. He's just waiting to, like, you know, pour out his wrath on all people. Um, God is a good God, friends, right? And like a good God, um, we make choices, and there are consequences. But it says his anger only lasts a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime right? There's nothing you can do to make um, mom and dad love you less, right? The same way with God. We're going to get to gladness. Weeping may stay for the night, but gladness, but rejoicing comes in the morning. I don't know what you guys are experiencing, but the Lord is saying, hang with me, hang with me, right? I'm going to make sense of all of it. Continuing six to eight, When I felt secure, I said, I will never be shaken. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. You're like, up in the mountains, you're like, God, everything's good, right? And if you're doing great, awesome. You're welcome here. Lord, when you favored me, you made my royal mountain stand firm. But when you hid your face, I was dismayed. There are times in growing as a Christian that the Lord, he's not, he just kind of hangs back. Maybe you're coming from mountaintop experiences, right? Man, it's really good. But there are seasons where you're in the valleys. To you, O Lord, I called. To the Lord, I cried for mercy. Turning to verse 11. You turn my wailing into dancing. You remove my sackcloth and clothe me with joy. Right? We have to be honest that life gets hard. Right? The middle pieces of life gets really hard. But we need we need other people. Do you think when they hung out as the early church, they just talked about the weather? They're like, wow, it's really nice outside. No, you know what I think they did? They did what Mary did for us today. They shared their testimony with one another. They said, man, life has been really hard. But you know what? I'm always asking the Lord, what are you trying to show me? How do you want me to respond? Right? So, think about that because you have a story to tell. You have a song that only you can sing. You have experiences that the Lord's bringing you through so that you can testify. You can tell people about what he's done. Remember that guy that was throwing people in prison, Paul? 
Later on in his ministry in Acts 16, he was imprisoned for telling people about Jesus. And he was shackled with his buddy Silas. And guess what they were doing at midnight in the, in the prison cells? They were singing and they were encouraging one another with hymns from the Lord. Right? It might feel like you're in prison, shackled. You're like, I don't know what my choices are, Lord. Praise him. Worship him. What is it that we can know about who God is and making him known? All right. The church, what does it mean for us today? We have a specific assignment, a specific calling to do. And when I say we, that means you and me. All right? You guys are part of the team, okay? You guys are part of the team. When they gathered together, they met together, they sang, they sang songs about testimonies of how God is taking them through valleys, and God wants to make an impact through one of you. Just to think about, I want to dig into this, of the history of our church, right? And just being here, like God knew when he was speaking about, you know, the Joel 2 prophecy, he knew that you guys would be here today. He knew that he has you here because you have something to give. You have experiences of your life that God wants for you to reveal, right? Verse 43, it says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. How do we know this? The following chapter, Peter and John go to the temple and they know there's this popular guy that's begging and what does Peter and John say? Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have in the name of the Lord, walk. Because they walked with Jesus for three years, and at this moment, they saw Jesus bring this guy, right, from his sickness and making him walk. It was causing a riot in the city. It was causing a, a, a ruckus, you know, and the leaders of the time, the politicians of the time are like, we got to stop this. We got to stop this. In Acts 5, verses 39, I love this. One of their religious leaders says this. If their purpose or activity is of human origin, if Christianity is just like an idea of these 12 fishermen, it'll, it'll fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Did Christianity end in the first century? In the first century? No. It keeps going, keeps going, right? And it's, it's a good instruction for us because sometimes we worry as leaders of the church, we're like, Lord, how are we going to make budget this year, right? But we're like, no, it's the Lord's idea. He's going to come and sustain us, and he's going to come and sustain us through each and every one of you. Their ministry didn't stop at the temple. They kept traveling. They spoke to ordinary people. And they turned their lives around to Jesus. They spoke to businessmen and women. And they turned their lives to Jesus. They spoke to politicians. People from different languages and different places. And those people turned their lives to Jesus. You know, it's not just a sense of awe. You know, the sense of awe is great for the people of God. You know what it was for the other people? It was a sense of fear. Because at this time, they were, they were selling all the goods and possessions they had. They had land and estates. They said, 
You know what? We're going to give to the people that we need voluntarily, by the way, right? They volunteered and says, I have an excess. Let's give. And there was this husband and wife, Ananias and Sapphira, you know, and they wanted to be famous. Yeah, and they said, we're going to sell our estate. We're going to tell them it's this price, which is lower than what we sold it for, so we can pocket the rest. So we both get something for us, and we become popular with our friends. Guess what the Holy Spirit did with Ananias and Sapphira? They struck him dead. And that same word that they wondered, they were struck with awe, is also they were struck with fear. They're like, oh my goodness, what is happening? Right? Am I getting a call? I'm just kidding. Um, it's okay. Um, at that point, the Holy Spirit was trying to make his body and his people holy and without blemish. And he says, hey, what matters is not the amount of what you give, but what matters is your heart. Have you, less, have you lost that sense of awe as we worship? Have we gone through the motion? God's remedy for the world is the church. And you and I are witnesses of God moving in our midst and in our lives. Do you have these signs and wonders happening. I just was speaking to Julie before their rehearsal today, and they didn't have AC on CR Friday night. It was going to be warm in here, right? And in the panic and all of that, the leadership and the worship team, they prayed, and they just said, God, we just were going to open the doors. We just send a breeze. And supernaturally, there was just a breeze that just lingered in this room that all the, the people that were prepping before were panicked, but everybody else that came Friday night, they were like, yeah, nobody complained about, hey, it's a little stuffy in here, right? Are you noticing when the Lord is moving in your lives? Are you noticing, and do we respond in awe? This is why we do life group, friends. This is why we said, let's pause our life groups for the summer so that we can make friendships and invite them come the fall. Because the testimony, the song that you have to sing, the story that you have to tell has power. Because it's not about us, but it's about God working in us. Celebrate Recovery, I love that ministry because they're welcoming people from every walk and stage of life to bring healing. Healing that they have themselves experienced, but also that they want to be used of God. The reason why we pray for our tithes and offering is because we see it as worship to God. Do you know that we do tithes and offerings upstairs at Kids Church too? And we ask them, why do we give to God? And it's always the same answer, because he's given us so much. All right? So I'm going to, if you consider this your spiritual home, we're going to just talk about tithing. If you're a visitor with us today, you can come listen in. Right? Um, the way that we give to God indicates our heart attachment to the things of this world. We want to be a good testimony, and that's why we're doing, that's why we're doing testimonies, because I love that testimony, Mary, of like the Lord just transforming you to put Jesus first, others, and yourself. All right? Jess and I have been married 11 years now. And we met at Biola. We went to a private Christian college. And we couldn't afford it. And so we got student loans um, that we're still paying off. Um, 
And when we got married, we said, you know what? We got we to gotta get better at tithing. We would always just give whenever we remember. But we said, the Lord says, give them the first fruits, right? It's the first thing, right? Tithing is giving 10% of what you make back into the local church. And, you know, when we weren't making money, <laughs> it was hard then, right? And we're making a little bit more now. But you know what? It's not hard anymore. It's a discipline. It's actually a joy, right? Because God has spoken to us. Because we're always like, Lord, man, I can, we can go, I can go to like several Starbucks runs with those. But I know that it's a practice of my heart. A part of me, I have to deny myself. I have to let it die so that other people could be blessed. It's a joy to give because we realize, like what Pastor Manny said, money's not ours. We're giving to God what he already has and to give out of abundance as a place of need. All right? Um, I'm not targeting you. This is between you and the Lord. Right? We, we just know that we have a faithful God. Another thing, during the pandemic, you know, it's been a crazy couple of years. People move different states. People move for many, you know, different reasons. Um, and folks, giving's down. Giving's down a little bit. All right? Um, and so at the end of 2021, at the beginning of 2022, we're like, how are we going to make budget, Lord? Right? How are we? Do we need to practice that gladness? Right? God, I'm walking through a valley. How are you going to provide? And you know what? God provided. God provided from a place called the government. Right? The Lord provides. Amen? And we have this thing called the employee retentions credit that because of that, we are able to stay afloat this year. And so we want to say, yes, Lord, you're faithful. But at the, on the same hand and on the same token, we're saying, can we call our people to giving more? To giving out of abundance and not, a, not out of need, right? And so the tithe, some people see it as the, the goal. But I think it's a, it's a guide. The tithing is a goal. No, slow down, Jerry. Tithing is a guide. It's not the goal. Right, because Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm just going to die 10%, okay? Is that enough? Jesus says, I'm going to give you my whole life. Right? And it's not just about giving. It's about our time, our talents, and our treasures. Right? So we want to invite you to give to God what's already his so that we can further the ministry of the church here together. God has called us, you and me, Remember, you guys are part of the team. You guys are the A-team. A-team with us. So we can bless this community. It's fun to give. It is more blessed to give than to receive. Malachi 3.10. It's the book before. It was the last book of the Old Testament. Malachi 3.10. It says this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Test me in this, the Lord says. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not enough room to store it. You guys remember how we began this service? We're in the last days and who was poured out? The Holy Spirit has been poured out and remains. 
We are in the last days. The other thing that I want to brag about our church is the meal trains, right? If you're like, man, we're talking about money today. Um, I love the meal trains. I've experienced receiving meals from all of you guys, and I love it. But I have to slow down and, and not just say thank you for the meal, but I know that's coming from a place that you're like, yeah, that could have been money that you could have been going to Starbucks with. And so now, what if there's a meal train, my wife and I are like, can we get in it? Because I want to deny myself, I want to feel it, so that somebody else could be blessed. We live in the last days when we know that the kids can experience God, when the teenagers can have powerful encounters with Him, when the homeowners in their sleep get to meet Jesus and the servants know that God will show up. The early church worshiped God no matter what the circumstances were. We, the church, have a unique assignment to bless the people around us. Worship is about making God known. It's about knowing God and making him known with all of our lives. We're inviting you to give your lives to Jesus. If that's something that you've not done and you're like, wow, I don't know. I don't know if I know this Jesus. Would you come speak to one of us? Would you come speak to the person that brought you today? Right? And God is inviting you and me to a cause that's bigger than ourselves. And it's not just taking, hey, what are your strengths? It's taking all of our lives, transforming it, right? Investing your whole life for the good of others and for the glory of God. Would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I thank you so much for your word that is instruction for us. Jesus, we thank you for your love for every single person in this room. God, that Jesus, even though we were your enemies, you are calling us to be free. Jesus, thank you for pouring God's judgment upon yourself. God, thank you even that you came to serve us, serve us with your life. And you're calling us, Lord, to serve one another. God, you know exactly what we need to hear. And Holy Spirit, thank you for speaking to the deep needs of our hearts. God, we give to you today, knowing that you're good. And God, knowing that um, you're unchanging, God, during uncertain times. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining our Christ Pacific Sunday Sermon Podcast. To hear more of our sermons, or to subscribe, or to learn how you can be engaged with what we're up to in Huntington Beach, please visit us at cpc.com.